So, as Daniel has just said, this is the session where we um, zoom in. So, we've painted the, the big picture, the glorious church. Uh, hopefully uh, that we're all uh, freshly nourished in that vision through the Ephesians 4 passage. And now it's time to, to zoom in and get practical. And really, with the Lord's help, make some decisions, I guess. Um, the Holy Spirit can empower us to make good on decisions we make before God. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit can empower us, will empower us, to make good on decisions that we make before God. Um, it's a different thing to ask him to empower double-minded non-decisions. Because the Holy Spirit will, will not know what he is empowering. <laughs> and so there's something about the power of, of um, by the Spirit's leading, coming to a place of resolve, of saying, God, with your help, and only with your help, I'm going to do this. That I want us to um, try and explore a little bit um, in this sessions. So we'll look at a few uh, scriptures um, in this regard. After the Sermon on the Mount, right at the end, Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Um, and then obviously there's the other man who hears and doesn't do. So both hear. And so the, the blessing is not in the hearing. Although sometimes it's wonderful, isn't it? It's always wonderful to hear God's word. But actually the, the full blessing doesn't come from the hearing. So, you know, in the old, in the old fashioned kind of, um, church model where the vicar stands on the door and people go out and on the way out, I was very blessed by your sermon, vicar. Not yet. You may be, but not, not quite yet. Um, John 13, 17, Jesus says, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's a call to action. James 2, verse 18, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your, apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. I do think that perhaps one of the traps as charismatic Christians that we can fall into, is, is that we can begin to believe that the climactic moment is receiving prayer at the end of a sermon, rather than doing what we've heard. Um, I'm all for receiving prayer at the end of sermons. We'll be doing it uh, after the break, and it's absolutely vital that we do, so this is not moving away from that one out to celebrate that completely but it's empowering to do it's empowering for action for application it, it, that isn't the end that is that is empowering for 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 the, the stepping into faith steps and obedience steps so um as we reflect upon what the lord is asking us to do now so we're going to be reflecting the things we've heard on what is Concerning courage and timidity, what could be, we're going to start asking the Lord to help us in terms of concrete action. And the way I want to look at it is to consider maybe just some examples of the kind of things that God might be saying to us to help give you a framework to begin to think through and reflect yourself 
What is God saying to me? And we're going to look at it on, the, on, the, on, on what I would describe as the vertical axis and the horizontal axis of our lives. So firstly, when I say vertical, I'm, I, I'm meaning those things that are directly in relationship to God. They're primarily, you would take a step and it would be something whereby you are doing something that, although it would have a horizontal impact, i.e., someone else, because things always do. But primarily the thing that's going on in that moment is, is, is you, is a faith courageous response to, to, to him. Um, and horizontally will be when it's something that is so directly related to the, to, to, to human relationships that it, that's, that's really the nub of it. There's horizontal. As I go through, I'm sure you'll get the image. Obviously there's overlap and both are always involved in both, but in terms of emphasis. So vertically, things directly in relationship with God. Maybe God is, um, maybe God by spirit is speaking to you about giving. Giving radically, giving unreasonably, giving sacrificially. Maybe that's, an area of courage that the Holy Spirit is stirring in you. In Luke 21 verse 4, as Jesus commends the widow who gave her might, he says, she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. And it, and it, it wasn't a charge of foolishness, it was a commendation of faith. I mean, it's extraordinary. We, we mustn't domesticate and tame Jesus, so that he he just ends up saying things that essentially everyone else is saying. He always says something different. He commends her for putting in all she had to live on. There are those moments where the Spirit prompts us to give unreasonably. Is that is that something that he's doing to some of us in the room today? Okay, it's not something you have to force. My sheep know my voice, Jesus said. But it's just I want to encourage you. If that's if that is the area of application, I want to encourage you to to not be timid, to not shrink back, to to step in and engage with God in that. Don't don't run a mile. Engage. Maybe it's um, upping sticks and moving in brackets again. Maybe for some of you. Um, maybe it's to a more expensive area. Maybe it's a rougher area. Maybe you've got children and you're worried about them making new friends. Maybe it's just full of uncertainty. Um, but maybe that is for some of you. There's a stirring and you, you it's growing. <laughs> um, here's a scripture for you. There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this life with persecution. And in the age to come, eternal life. Don't shrink back if he's stirring you in this regard. Don't, don't get into the detail of how, how possibly could that happen before you've, before you've connected with God on it. He, he's, we, we have a little saying in our house, we say, not how, but who. Um, once we've settled it's God, he'll make the how clear. But you don't start with the how. You start with the who. Is this God? Is this the spirit? I'm not going to shrink back. I'm going to engage with it. Maybe it's just the simple yet difficult crucifixion of dark, corrupt desires and yet trusting him that as you do so, because these things may have become very dear to you, you trust him for a brighter future. This is massive. You know, Jesus talks about cutting off certain lusts. It's like cutting off a right hand, like scooping out an eye. 
These things that are dear to you, these things that feel like they're part of you. Maybe the Spirit's graciously cornering you over these days and saying, how much longer are you going to give that space? How much longer are you going to allow that? God says to you, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for wholeness and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. He makes that promise to you so that he can then say to you, if you would come after me, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Engage with that. Don't step back from that. You might say, but it will feel like cutting off my hand. Jesus says, I know. And it's going to be worth it. Maybe it's just the, the effort involved in continuing to live a life of faith. Continuing to live a life of faith which involves much effort, inconvenience and the unknown. I've been doing this for decades. You know, Paul, Paul says to the Ephesian elders on his way to Jerusalem, he says, For three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. Just this pouring out of himself. There is grace from God for us to pour ourselves out. But it takes courage to keep doing it. You can at times just retract and say, it's too tiring. <laughs> I want to urge you to be courageous and not, not to shrink back from, from effort, from inconvenience, from uncertainty, but to stay in that place. So there is just some thoughts of the things that maybe the Spirit is... I'm just trying to give examples and help you think through some of these things and maybe some of them will be actually specifically correct from the Lord for you. But essentially it's just trying to help you engage with this stuff. Some things that might be a bit more horizontal, so more directly in relationship to others. So family, we looked a little bit about this yesterday family and um, it could be expectations of family your family have expectations of you that you know if you submit to you will not be submitting to God's expectations of you that there's a, there are there are God has a plan for you and 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 so does your family and it's not the same plan <laughs> what do you do with that control it could be it could be that there's some reordering of dynamics are needed I'm reminded of Jesus saying did you not know to his parents, age 12, that I had to be in my father's house. Joseph's going, <gasps> oh, the arrow. No, I had to be in my father's house. And um, we have to be able to grapple with that question and answer it well. Primarily, whose son or daughter am I? Primarily. And we must absolutely honour our parents and love our siblings and be committed to our families. Don't hear what I'm not saying? But where there's a reordering of dynamics needed, it's a potential example for us to think through. Or maybe in church, maybe you're just aware of areas in your church, in your small group, where the culture is wrong and something must be said. Maybe there's a very negative culture. Maybe there's a very cliquey culture. Maybe there's a very cynical culture. Fleshly. You just Things are being said and done and you think this is... This isn't, this isn't, our minds are not on the things of God. This isn't how it should be. How did Jesus deal with that when, when that when that began to grow in his community? He dealt with it like this. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you're, a, you're a stumbling block to me. He's talking to Peter, member of his church. 
you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Now, I'm not advising, I'm not advising you um, necessarily um, take that exact approach, but when the when people's minds are on the things of men at at the expense of being on the things of God in the culture of the church, sometimes strong things need to be said. Otherwise, the culture perpetuates. And you end up with something really unhealthy. The yeast affects the whole lump. It takes courage. You know, culture, culture never changes by, by a mass of people doing something differently. It always takes a bold individual to start it. And then others follow through. So you can't wait for it to change. It won't. It won't. But what you can do is begin to sow in a different kind of, um, a different kind of culture into, into the church. So maybe that's something to think through. Maybe the establishment, maybe it's to do with the establishment where you work or your community taking a stand for the purpose of righteousness where, you know, you just know you're, you're being, you're under massive pressure. I mean, uh, you know, um, teachers are right now under huge and, and immense pressure to, 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 to lead their classes into the celebration of certain things that God condemns. That's immensely difficult. It's immensely difficult. This is not hypothetical. This is UK today. This is where we're at. Um, and, and, and God in his mercy will give us that spirit of Daniel's friends. We will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. There's something of that spirit, courageous spirit, where we're willing to, to sacrifice much in order to hold the line. It's very important. Um, many, many Christians in, in ancient days, um, ha- they did lose their jobs because job, the jobs were tied in with uh, the worship of the particular God that was associated with their trade. So if you wanted to be in that job, you'd have to go to the feasts dedicated to the God of your trade. And the Christians wouldn't do it. The early believers wouldn't do it. And they were expelled. They were, they were cut off as a result. This is... Um, this is what it is, and we need to begin to engage with that. And and um, we won't always be able to blend in to blend into the background. There's a there, there will come a moment of courage or timidity. So these are just some thoughts, just to provoke you and to give you some kind of um, some frameworks, some templates to think this stuff through. And um, I'm going to just as I draw this element to an end, really just um, talk briefly about the three, the three questions that we will be looking at after the break just to begin to get our minds going. So the first question is, where are you currently most tempted to shrink back? Shrinking back is a very vivid phrase. You'll find it in the book of Hebrews um, where the writer says, we are not of those who shrink back the destruction, but of those who believe and are saved. And so believing and shrinking back are being held up as opposite kind of actions. And so we, we understand that believing is a lot more than just having some things written down that you believe. It's, it's the opposite of shrinking back. It's where you step forward. Where, where currently are you most tempted to shrink back? And then thinking perhaps about this area, what do, you most, what do you most fear in this regard? To be specific, to drill down, what do you most fear? To name it, to, to put a name on it so that you can say, actually, it, well, it's that. Well, why is it that? Because it's that. And then you get to the bottom and you go, it's that. And you're able to call it out and say, Lord, 
it's this, as um, Peter so brilliantly um, exemplified in his own story yesterday when he received healing prayer. And then, the, I guess, the final question, which will then result in our application and a, uh, an exercise with some rocks on your table, will be, what concrete step is the Lord asking me to take in light of this area? What is the Lord asking me to do? And yes, we will pray for one another and by God's grace prophesy over one another. But, but it's in the light of knowing in our hearts and, and, and having honestly answered, what is the Lord asking me to do when I leave this event today and uh, get back out into um, normal day-to-day life? What, what is there for me to do? What decision? What conversation? Uh, what, what, where do I step forward where I have been potentially shrinking back? Those, that's where we're going to go and that's what we're going to be reflecting on after the break. So what will be? Time for break. Okay, so um, we're breaking for how long, Daniel? Or Anise? Half an hour. So we've got half an hour break. If you want to, if you want to have a little bit of time on your table, just thinking about things for all, you're very welcome to do that. It's a kind of as a soft break. You can feel free to mill around and socialise, or you can, you know, you can uh, do some reflecting. And don't don't rush away if you just feel you're on a bit of a roll. Don't you know? Write some things down. There's there's no pressure. But we'll gather back officially in half an hour.